a privilege to be back here again. Um, it's been a, been, been a while since I was here. Not that long, I guess. It's a few months. Um, but uh, um, it has been a long time uh, since I was able to bring my better half with me. And so Tammy is here with me today. Um, I don't think she's been here for probably three or four years. Uh, so it's been a while. So I'm glad that uh, I was able to bring her along with me today. Uh, just a couple of things. <laughs> After the service... I don't want you to feel like, where did they go? Uh, Tammy and I have to be in Brampton at an ordination service at one o'clock. So when the service ends and you go, oh, I have a question, uh, you won't find me. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to leave right when the service is over. So I just don't want anybody to feel offended that we just took off. Uh, There is a reason for that. I have the privilege of serving in a ministry that's, that is church planting. Some of you will remember that. And, and I've brought a few updates that are out in the lobby, and you can have a look at. But they have the pictures and, and prayer updates of all of the church plants that are going on across our region. And um, so that's something that if you're interested in that and would like to pray for that, please uh, grab one of those. And uh, they're, so they're, they're at the back and, um, and you can do that. One other thing before I get into God's word with us today, um, I just wanted to bring to your attention, Feb Central is putting on a conference in September, late September, I think, I think it's the 24th to the 26th. It's called Stronger. And it is designed for anybody serving in the church in any kind of leadership role. So if you're leading in children's ministry or youth ministry or you help with sound and, and, and um, uh, visual stuff or if you're leading in worship or leading in, in women's ministry, whatever those roles are, uh, it is designed for you, intentionalized for that. Uh, also for, for elders and pastors and staff, uh, it's all designed for that. The idea is to develop uh, our leadership culture within our churches. And there are already hundreds of people signed up and registered for this. It will be the 24th to the 26th of September in Barrie. And we would love for you guys to attend. It's called Stronger. And if you go to febcentral.ca, you can learn more about that. But uh, we are doing this to strengthen our churches and the culture of developing leaders within the churches. And I just wanted to bring it to your attention in case it got missed, because I know your pastor's on sabbatical, and uh, (laughs) sometimes things like that can get missed. Um, So, if we have learned anything from the past two and a half years, it has been that as human beings, we are designed, created to have social interaction. And it needs to be personal. We very quickly shifted as churches and tried to do an online presence, and we did all of those things. And it was kind of neat at the beginning when we figured it out, and we were like, oh, we've never done this before, and it kind of works. But it didn't take very long for us to feel like hollow and we were missing something. And there was more 
that should be in our lives. And the fact that we weren't getting together with people, we kind of set it aside a little bit at first and thought, this is all right, it's okay, it works. It, you know, some people really didn't like it. Some people liked it too much. Uh, <laughs> and we, we had this tension back and forth. But I remember the first time after the restrictions were lifted and we, uh, Tammy and I were, were invited that week, I was speaking at uh, one of our churches in Chatham and they had a meal afterwards. That room was packed. <laughs> people who normally wouldn't come, people who normally, the, everybody was there because they got to be together. There was something missing in our lives in that time because God has created us to be present with other people. And it's interesting, you know, we in the scriptures learn that somehow we reflect the image of God. As human beings, we are image bearers of the Creator. And I think in some, some place in all of that, this learning is a part of it. We were created to be social, to be interacting. We're going to be looking this morning in John chapter 1. So if you want to turn there with me. John chapter 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of, natural, not of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth." So as we read this passage, we come across one of the most profound teachings in all of Scripture, that, that God chose to become flesh and make his dwelling among us. See, when, the, when this passage talks about the Word, and in the beginning was the Word, it is speaking of the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, he was present in the activity of creation. Isn't that amazing? And, and then it says in verse 14, the word 
became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. The the interesting thing is when we read that passage, uh, God sent the Son to become flesh, to live here with us, and then to intentionally live his life among us. It doesn't say he lived here. It says he made his dwelling. He in, there was a, there's an intentionality in the language that is used, that there was this sense of, of, of purpose in his living out his days among us. There is purpose to it. In John chapter 20, and verse 21, it's interesting. We, we have learned, uh, you know, through the scriptures and in many places about how, how God sent the Son. There was an intentionality in all of that. But in John chapter 20 and verse 21, it says, Jesus says again, he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So there's this sense where God sent the Son to live intentionally among the people and to do something for his purpose. And he is intentionally sending us in the same way. So there's an intentionality that is going on in all of this. In Acts chapter 1, a passage that I'm sure you know well, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is, this is a, an, a future imperative statement. It's not a, a something that could happen or possibly might or whatever. It, this, is, it, this is a declaration. And then in Matthew chapter 28, a passage there that, that uh, many are familiar with, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. It's interesting, all three of these passages uh, have that sense of a future imperative. I am sending you. You are being sent. In the same way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. This is happening. It's going to be. Um, when when uh, we were declared to be witnesses, to, to, it was a, it's, a, it's a you shall be. This is what's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then as you are going, there's, there's not a question mark about it. It's who we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, we serve... Uh, a missionary God. Uh, there's this Latin term that sometimes gets used to reflect, or reflect that, missio dei, which uh, the, the God of mission. Um, see, the Father intentionally sent the Son. The Father and the Son then intentionally sent the Holy Spirit. And now the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit intentionally send us into the world. 
And so this is really the commissioning of us and the, the living out of the life that we are called to is really a Trinitarian response. We are in reflecting our creation in the image of God when we live out the life of a life of mission. When we read that it says Jesus' words in the same way that the Father sent me, I am sending you. The idea is that we will make a difference in the world that we are sent to. See, Jesus came and he lived out his life here, uh, choosing to set aside um, the glory of heaven, the, the beauty of all of that, and then to live among us in the muck and the mire and the things that, you know, we, we sometimes picture uh, Jesus, you know, in the artist renditions of these kind of beautiful pictures or, or the lovely little Christmas pictures of a baby and it's all sweet and nice. But you think about this for a second. The God of creation chose to live in the mess of our world. He could have chose to step into time. He created time. He could have chose to step in at any moment. He chose to step into first century Palestine, to live, be born in a context where, where it was filthy, to be humiliated. He didn't come here as a man. He came as an infant, as a baby. A teenage girl had to change his diapers. You think the humiliation, the God of creation chose to do this on our behalf. He then grew up and lived out his life among us. And he lived a countercultural life where he was, he was uh, making a difference as he went along, raising up the poor, uh, going to the, uh, to, to, to the cause of the unjust and those who were, who were treated unjustly and, and, and showing them the way to the kingdom of God. In the same way that the Father sent Jesus to live in this world, he is calling us. And that means in some sense we live out as part of the body of Christ in our everyday lives. If we live our lives in, in, in isolation from the community, as a subculture of the community, and only function within the Christian circle, we don't live out the calling that has been entrusted to us. It, we, are, we are commissioned, um, you know, in the same way to be sent, but we are commissioned also to make disciples while we're going. We are, we are told that in the declaration that we will be his witnesses. So these things are declared, these things are said, these things are set. And so if we live our lives in such a way that we only connect with Christian people, the only time we have, have social interaction, we have fellowship, is with Christian people. We are limiting what we have been called to. We have been called to be incarnational. 
just as God the Son was incarnational. He lived out his life among people. Now, how do we do that? How do we live lives that are incarnational? How, how do we live out being a, a follower of Jesus in a world that is so opposed to him and yet make a difference in this world and not be corrupted by it? Um, it it's interesting, we walk through the scriptures, we see Jesus living out his life, which was incarnational. How, do, how did he do that? Well, he started uh, by, by keeping his head in the game. He was, he was on on, on mission with God, but he stayed close to the Father. Tells us in Matthew, or Mark, sorry, um, chapter 1, and verse 35, that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, um, Jesus found a solitary place to pray. So he, he's the Son of God. And it was important for him to find time to pray. Uh, it might be important for us <laughs> if, 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 you know, in our weakness and frailty, spend time with the Father. Jesus is giving us an example of how we can live out our lives. Set your heart and mind on things above. Colossians chapter 3 says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly, on earthly things. See, it's a perspective shift. And if we keep our head in the game, if we keep our hearts right and, and our minds right and we stay close to the Father, our interaction with the world will not contaminate us, but instead we will be an impact on them. That's what God has called for us to do. It, sometimes we get so consumed with social media that we get lost in it. Uh, have you ever found yourself scrolling and, <laughs> and then you realize how much time has gone by while you've been scrolling on your, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is no good. And, and yet you've been there and you lost in it. We need to take control of that. That needs to serve us, not us serve that. And, and, and it's, it's a challenge. Imagine taking a fast from that for a while. Ooh. Uh, does that just send shivers down your spine, or are you okay with that? <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you know it's going to be hard to do. But take control of it. Use it for good. Don't let it control you. There are good things about these tools, but when they capture us and make us feel bad about ourselves because our lives aren't as good as the one that was made up by somebody else, we've lost perspective on things. Imagine being open about your faith in that context and using it as a tool to bring glory to God. It's possible. But we need to start by having our head in the right space. Jesus did that. Remember that your, remember your purpose and why you were to put on the new self. Jesus understood why he was here. He said, in fact, the reason that I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. The same way that the Father sent me, I am sending you. Wow. Why are we here? Go and be my witnesses. Hmm. These things are, are, are declared and our purpose is not that much different. What's your understanding of why you came into this world? 
Well, I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said from Jesus' declaration here. Um, we need to bring glory to God. I mean, the, the Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, that is done through obedience and, and living out the life that he has called us to live. In the same way the Father sent the Son, the Son is sending us. Do life among people. Remember how important it is to be social. God has made us that way. Now, some of us are more introverts and some of us are more extroverts. That means, typically, it means that when you're around a whole lot of people, uh, if you're an introvert, um, you're, you can do it. You may be more of a wallflower or more, more of a person who has to make themselves engage, but when it's all said and done and everybody goes home, you're exhausted. If you're an extrovert, I have a son-in-law and a, and, and a granddaughter who are both like full-on extroverts. And so, and they're in a crowd of people, um, they, they are just bouncing off the walls around everybody, talking to everybody and engaged with everybody. And when everybody leaves, they're like, oh, what's next? <laughs> and I'm in the corner going, oh. Because <laughs> it drains me, but it energizes them. My granddaughter, she spent a week at camp and in, and in um, you know, at, up at NBC. And so they're in, in camp things and all this stuff. People all the time for a whole week. When she got home, the day she got home, her mom is like me. She is like, Mom, who are we having over? <laughs> Just wired. We're wired differently, but all of us need to be around people. It's part of what God's made in us. But it's also intentional that God put it there because in the same way that he sent the Father, that the Father sent, sent the Son, the Son sent us. And the purpose is to make a difference in this world. You can't make a difference without engaging with people. We need to do life among people. Jesus went to parties, he went to weddings, he, went to, he did things and he engaged with people. He helped people wherever they were, uh, on the streets and, and in the market and in the temple courts and by the lake. He was engaging with people. As you read through the New Testament, you see the stories, you hear them happen. You need to think, the Father sent the Son and the Son sent us in the same way. And he was living out his life among people and engaging with, with people who were, some were people that, that had great reputation, some had ill repute. Uh, some were people that, that um, you know, were just your average working class. Some were very wealthy. Some were, were unclean. And yet he engaged with people. He didn't stay locked away. He didn't create um, you know, a monastery and say, you know, if you're going to be a follower of God, you need to come in here and just you know, be silent and pray all the time. Uh, he said, well, no, you need to stay close to the Father, but you need to live among the people and you need to be my witnesses. He had authentic relationships with people. He didn't pretend to be something that he wasn't. He expressed his emotions honestly. Remember Lazarus when he was with um, Martha and Mary and 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 when Jesus was with them, and he just wept. 
He was a very genuine person. He didn't just, oh, I've got to stay strong and I'm going to be, you know. He, he didn't pretend to be something that he wasn't. He was honest and open and genuine with them. I love that Jesus served the least of these. You know, it, it's, it's, it's easy for us to want to serve people who are kind of just like us um, because, you know, it's comfortable. But Jesus reached out to the least of these. He reached out to the people who were across cultural lines. I think of John chapter 4 and when, when Jesus sat down by the well and a woman came and he said, would you give, help me get some water? And she's like, wait a minute, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman? How, how, why are you asking me for a drink? She's blown away because she knows, like this is crossing all the lines. Jesus didn't come and live <laughs> the acceptable life. He lived counterculturally. He was a bit of a rebel <laughs> in that respect. The religious culture would have seen that as you don't even talk to her because she's a Samaritan so there was the racial thing um, and then and also because you know she's a woman and also because you know very well that she's had five husbands and that one she's with now is not her husband there's a lot of reasons that the people who thought they were something would have said you don't do this And yet in John chapter 4, we find Jesus engaging with her, showing her the hope that she can have, teaching her about the living water that can flood up from her soul and be beautiful. And she runs back and tells everybody in town, and people come rushing out to find find Jesus. None of that would have happened for all of those people if Jesus hadn't engaged with the least of these. People with, the woman with a bad reputation. The woman, you know, who in the culture of all of that was kind of a half-breed. She wasn't a real Jew, right? She was half. And all of that cultural mess. Jesus wants us to serve among the least of these. I was at a... <laughs> it's been a few times I've been in a parking lot where someone has come up to me to ask for money for whatever reason. And, you know, I usually give it to them. If I have it, I give it to them. And I try to help. Um, Sometimes I look at it and I say, you know, I know this person's taking advantage of me. Um, But then I think, what would Jesus do in a case like this? How would he respond to the least of these? And I think he would do it. Um, I know one time, (laughs) the guy kind of ticked off because this guy came and and, uh, you know, wanted help. You know, for me and my girl, he said to me, he wanted money for groceries. And I said, well... I'll tell you what, I'll go in with you and I'll buy you some groceries. 
And so I went in and I bought him some groceries and, and uh, he kept trying to upsell me though, which was a little awkward. Like, oh yeah, pick him. He needed milk, so I get him a two-liter jug of milk. He goes, oh, can I get the bag instead? And <laughs> everything was more expensive. He wanted. <laughs> anyway, it was like, okay, okay, I did, I did it anyway. And you know, even though in my mind I'm thinking, hmm. Um, and uh, later I realized when he said me and my girl, he was talking about his dog. Um, <laughs> Made it sound like family, uh, and and uh, and then and then uh, I've since realized that it's his business, um, and because he's there all the time, and he he does quite well at it, um, and so I, was, I thought you know in the moment when I look back on it, I afterwards when I realized what what happened, I was like oh man, but when I look back on it. I think, okay, I didn't know all of that. Um, I just know that in a moment when I saw it, I took it at face value and I helped him. And I think that was right. And we can become cynical, um, and it's not right for us to do, to be cynical. Uh, we need to recognize that even that guy, um, I think his name's Kyle. Anyway, even he is an image bearer of God. And he deserves our respect in that and to help him in his mess. Because he is clearly a little messed up. To be a follower of Jesus means that we live our lives among people. So I want to challenge you today just a little bit. And the challenge is this. Take a serious look at your life, just your average week. Think, how am I living among people in my life? If the only interaction with people you have is with people who are probably in this room or should be in this room, then you probably need to make a change in something in your life because you're living an isolated life. You're not living an incarnate life. An incarnational life expects that we are involved in the world around us in some way. Maybe it means that you need to intentionally talk with the people at Tim Hortons when you go there. Maybe it means that you need to uh, invite your neighbor over for coffee and do that on purpose to build a friendship and a relationship that can lead to gospel conversation. But you need to begin the path somewhere. You need to start engaging and making a difference. Um, I was out in the backyard yesterday. Um, been, I don't know if you saw me come up here. I was a little sore getting up the steps. <laughs> I'm doing a, a flagstone um, patio and, and with mortar and all that stuff. And I'm sore today. Uh, <laughs> buckets of, of concrete and all, all this. I've been doing all kinds of things. So, yeah, I kind of overdid it. And, and while I was out there, um, Tammy brought uh, the neighbors from across the street 
into our backyard because we have these peaches that are, um, that are ripe and we got way too many. Our tree is just loaded. Like we've picked probably, well, more than 100, 100 and something and the tree doesn't look like we touched it. It's loaded down still. The branches are hanging. <laughs> uh, and so they came and picked and we had a bunch of, but she's engaged with our neighbors and uh, it's, it's kind of neat to, to see they're not followers of Jesus, but they're, they're decent people, um, but they have often needed um, someone to care. Um, she's struggled with breast cancer. She's now in remission. But through that, um, we, we were able to be present because Tammy intentionalized that and have done some things that way. I, I think there's ways that we can be intentional about living Christ in our neighborhoods and in our communities, whether it's in your apartment building or in your street um, or uh, just in the natural interactions that you have. But I want to challenge you to remember as you go out this week and to ponder, what does it look like for me to live incarnationally in my context, my sphere of influence, because Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us, Lord, to live out the life that you've called us to. Help us to follow you faithfully and help us to live incarnationally. Lord, that we are actually present in the world, being salt and light to the world around us. Help us to see those opportunities and to seize them. Uh, May you be glorified in each one who's here, Lord, as we live out our lives in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen.